0: You're listening to HR Mavericks, a weekly podcast featuring leading small business HR professionals who share their experiences and insights to help you know how to turn your HR processes and employee experience into a strategic business advantage. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the next episode of the HR Mavericks podcast. I'm Garrett Justice, and today I'm joined again by Stephen Farber, who we've had on a previous episode of the HR Mavericks podcast. For you listeners who've you know been with us for a while, you might recognize Stephen's name. Stephen, how are you doing today?
1: I am fantastic. Thanks again so much for
0: uh, having me on, Garrett. We are super excited to have you on the show today. And I think we have a really good, interesting topic to talk about. But, you know, before we dive in, we always like to give our listeners a little bit of context on who our guest is. So tell our listeners who may not have heard your last episode, who you are, and what you do. Sure. Thanks. Uh, my
1: name is Steven Farber. I am the CEO and Retention Sherpa of Hero Culture. Um, I help companies and, and even and sometimes individuals uh, really just find the best ways to communicate so that we can improve things like job satisfaction, uh, employee engagement, which is a
0: big deal right now. And we do all of this through the power of personality. Love it. So good. So I got to ask before we jump in, because I know there's people wondering, what does a retention Sherpa do? <laughs> right. So... A retention Sherpa. So when you think
1: of a Sherpa, you think of of one of the people who um, way over on the other side of the world help guide people through some uh, sometimes mountainous trails. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to say that um, that term originated. um, It's Tibetan in in origination. And Mm -hmm. so the reason why I paired those two together, Garrett, was because I don't see a lot of people out there who are trying to specialize in an area to really just improve retention, because when it comes to um, just everything that we want in an employee and and the results we want to get from that, it all really comes down to how well they are retained. You can't get higher productivity, um, uh, promotional things. You can't get any of this without the person actually being there. And of yeah. course, we're still coming out of the Great Resignation. Retention is a big deal, so. What I do is I guide those retention initiatives. I I take that business by the hand and we figure out um, the best way to get to the top of the mountain, which is where we want to be, where everybody's happy everybody's engaged and the business is just booming for everybody.
0: I love it and it's you're right it's such a timely thing to focus on that so many businesses right now are thinking about that or struggling about with you know the effects of like you mentioned the the great resignation right mm-hmm. that so many companies have have experienced that so super excited to have you again on the show today and as you mentioned kind of in your intro there um, what we really want to talk about today is the power of personality right and how that can kind of help in this process of helping to retain your existing employees, right? And helping them to be more satisfied as you better understand different personality types. Is that right? That is, that is right. Yes. So to start us off, give us a little bit of context on why you feel like personality testing in the workplace is something that more businesses should do.
1: Right. So well, it really all comes down to something called self-awareness, which is understanding kind of who we are on the inside, how we take, what our natural talents are, and what those areas of development might be. And the reason is, is because we all have kind of our own way that we see the world. Some people call it a worldview. Uh, really, it's it's kind of our personality. Uh, for instance, I am a very kind of analytical person. I also want to make sure that when I do something, it, it's good for a lot of people, um, but I'm not very good on executing on something and just getting it done. There are personalities that are more direct people that that is what they are fantastic at. So mm-hmm. knowing that I am not a very direct person, it helps to know that there are times in my life where I got to turn that up. I got to make sure that I'm getting those tasks done. Or as you flip the script, you might have a more direct type of personality. We like to call them eagles um, with our specific form that we do, that even though they get the, they get the job done, they get to the point they may be perceived as a little, let's just say they only care about work or they just don't mm-hmm. care about people when in reality they do, but they're just more geared towards the bigger picture. So we all have these different ways that we see things. And the key is understanding what our personalities are, what our strengths are, and, and how we can then flex and work with other people who may not see things the way that we see them.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's totally right. But I I do want to play devil's advocate just for a minute because I know that there's probably listeners out there who are thinking, yeah, but maybe I'm not a fan of personality testing because Mm -hmm. it could shine me in a negative light or it could, you know, eliminate opportunities for me to grow and improve in certain areas. Or maybe it becomes kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy in some ways, right? And so Mm -hmm. I, I guess just on that other end, how would you respond to people who might have some of those thoughts or feelings as they approach personality testing in the workplace?
1: That's actually a really good question. Um, So I I would push back on, on anything. I I think you said it in such a way, like if it's a fulfillment of a prophecy or it's going to shine a negative light, I would say first and foremost, there's no such thing as a negative light when you're finding out what your personality is. You may not do something in the same way as someone, but it doesn't mean that you are less of a person. And, and a good example would be leadership, yeah. right? You think that you think that a more direct person is going to be a better leader. That's not true. They just lead more directly. Everyone yeah. can be a leader. And depending on what the job or the task is, you may want different types of leadership in there. But in general, there's really no such thing as a negative personality. There's a lack of personality, but and ne- there's there's just too many strengths yeah. in those areas. Now, one thing is there is such a thing as overusing a personality type and you can overuse and and your strengths can become weaknesses and that can be that can be um it can appear negative but that's mm-hmm. you know we can control those things we can rein them in once we know a little more about ourselves.
0: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And if I can just add one thing too, I think I think a key piece of this too as as I've experimented with a few different, you know, personality testing tools as know, a a leader in the past in the workplace and just me personally, I think there's a lot of value that comes from understanding kind of how you are naturally wired. Right. But this also should be directional, right? It shouldn't, it should be, this is how I'm kind of wired and directionally um, what I'm like, but there might be nuances that are different for me than what the test says. And I think as a leader too, it's really important to make sure that you build a culture of exactly what you just described, where there are no negative personality types. This is to help us better understand how we're wired. And so we can work better together as a team. And sometimes that's hard to do because we all have our natural biases. And so I think sometimes naturally, even without intending, leaders can favor certain personality types or give them more opportunities because they're more similar to themselves or because they seem to be better at this thing than that thing, right? And so I think the key piece and takeaway for me from this is as a leader or as a manager, it's really important that you build a culture as you go into personality testing like this, where all personality types are seen as equal and there's not a hierarchy there, but you appreciate the differences and it helps you be better together as a team. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. I I agree with everything you said. Awesome. So tell us about this particular personality type. It's called DISC, D-I-S-C. Is that right? That is correct. And, you know, most people who
1: are watching this are going to be familiar with disc because it is as old as really ancient China. And there's a there's back then it was actually seen as elements like fire, water, earth and air. We're not talking about the Avatar show, but that's going (laughs) to be what people draw. that. But that is literally what it was thought of. Now, as far as turning it into a behavioral analysis that happened in 1928, um, someone by the name of William Marston. And um, fun fact, he invented Wonder Woman and the lie detector test. (laughs) But. Uh, what what's interesting about DISC and there's a lot of personality testing out there. There's um, there is uh, uh, there's the uh, MIG test, which is which is a big one. People like that. There's predictive index. There's more than one one way to skin a cat, so to speak. But with DISC, it's just it's really it's easier and it's stickier. You have four types. You have a, a dominant, an interactive, a supportive, and a conscientious, and people tend to fall in one of those four, and then they tend to also move over to the other four. So, we all have, you know, we're not all just one. We technically are all four, but we'd like to be at home
0: in one of those types. Does that make sense? Totally, totally. So, tell me those four again. What do those D-I-S-C stand for again?
1: Right. So, the four are D, and that stands for Dominant. Mm -hmm. And uh, for the purpose of this, we'll be kind of applying. um, We, we have the particular form of disc that we like to apply is based on Merrick Rosenberg's work, which he puts birds to him. So D dominant is going to be an Eagle as well. Hmm. When you think of an Eagle, you know, I mean, what do you think of Garrett? Something, you know, an Eagle flies high 4,000 feet above the ground. They have this Mm -hmm. huge view. They get what they want. Right. Um, You go over to the eye style, which is interactive. We like to put a parrot on that one. You think of a parrot, very Mm -hmm. colorful, very loud, (laughs) very social. Mm -hmm. Um, The third one's going to be, um, is going to be supportive and we put a dove to that one which is more people oriented more how is what i'm doing going to be effective for everybody if it's just going to affect me i'm not interested i want everybody to be supported and finally a C, which is my home personality type which is conscientious we give an owl to that and people think oh the wise old owl it's not about wisdom all personality types can be wise but owls tend to be very logical, very detail oriented. And if they're going to do something, they kind of want to do it right. So those are the
0: four and those are their birds that we apply to them. And the birds just kind of make it stick in your mind a little better is all. I love it. I think that that's, that makes total sense. So I want to dive into this a little bit deeper, but before we do, I just want to hit on one other point. So um, what do you really feel like the benefits are of this particular disc, you know, personality test, uh, specifically applied in the workplace, what what do you like so much about this one?
1: Right. Well, there's two reasons. And there's a study, and this study is also going to be linked in the HR Mavericks article on DISC that was done on 28,000 people. And the room for error was very, very small. And this is just for DISC. This is not necessarily just DISC personality the way that I do it or anybody else does it. But DISC in general um, has a very high, high accuracy. We're talking within a two percentile, I believe. Um, I don't want to get that wrong, but it's very, very accurate. Um, Now, specifically, this just seems more geared towards the workplace because you're able to not only understand who you are, which depending on what your role is, like, for instance, um, I I had a sales role years ago, most people in sales are going to be really, they're going to really excel if they're more of a parrot, more interactive and motivational, enthusiastic me being the total opposite of that had kind of a hard time. Like get on the phones, call people. Like, I don't want to do that. Who are these people? What, you know, I need to know more about these people. Details, details, details. So not that, not saying you can't be an owl and be a salesperson. You just have to do it a little differently, but understanding what your personality is will allow you to then go about your task or your job in a way that is strongest for you. And then on top of that, if you are in a job where it's very team oriented and you have to work with other people, knowing how you are can keep you from kind of enforcing your personal style on someone else, which might cause all kinds of problems from personality conflicts, uh, slowing down productivity, causing turnover, uh, toxifying the culture. You, you made a you made a point when you talked about with your experience with tests, you know, it's good to know what your leadership style is so that you don't force that on somebody who may not react that way. That's a big Point two, knowing mm-hmm. that maybe other people don't like to be led in that style and then flexing to lead them in their style so that they can then be productive. I hope I answered your question with all that information. No.
0: no, that was perfect. I think there's, I mean, it makes total sense. It feels like there are you know, some excellent benefits that come with implementing, you know, a disc assessment program. So that's really my next question is how do you go about implementing something like this at your company?
1: So there's a couple of ways you can do it. Um, number one, the kind of the neat thing is no one owns disc. Um, uh, Marston, uh, probably should have copyrighted it. He would have died a very rich person, <laughs> but he never did that. So there are a slew of disc providers and certifications and people that you can go out to. You can even do it yourself. If you want to dig into the algorithm, you can buy that from, I think it's a D little ISC. There's a, um, I'll have to, I'll have to get you that information, Garrett, and you might be able mm-hmm. to put it here. But yeah. anyway, uh, the way that I would suggest is definitely find a provider who offers it and just make sure that they hit four particular points whenever it comes to implementation. And those, that's going to be an emphasis on social, excuse me, self-awareness, social awareness, flexibility between those two, and then uh um, the longevity of something like this, making sure that this is not a one and done training. And then people forget it a week later, how is this going to pour into the culture and create kind of a, um,
0: multiplicative effect. So it continues and continues and you just get better and better culture. So let's talk about each of those just in a little bit more depth. What, what's, what are the best practices, you know, for each of those four things that you just mentioned, what would you recommend, you know, a small business do if they really want to, roll out, you know, a disc assessment program and make sure that it's something that can be impactful and doesn't just fade away quickly. Right. So
1: again, going over point number one, make sure that self-awareness is, and it should be, if it's a, if it's a personality assessment, I would hope that you're learning about yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. So make sure that is number one. And, but it's done in such a way that whoever's providing it for you, or however you've decided to do it is making it a fun, interactive training program so that you can actually to really dig into it uh, one example that, that that we do with our clients is we actually have um we have certain exercises we like to do like the water cooler example we will um, after we do personality test we'll figure out kind of who everybody is okay well here's a group of doves here's a group of owls here's the eagles and we'll ask the eagles hey eagles the dominant personality what does the water cooler look like over at the doves water cooler and the, you know it brings out some snarkiness which is on purpose to kind of build that camaraderie and the eagles might be like, oh i'm sure they got chairs out for everybody everybody feels included everybody's got enough water um the conversation's very quiet um, on the other hand, you know, hey, owls, what's it look like over at the parrot water cooler? It's like, well, we're having to plug our ears because we can hear it two miles away. And they're actually, they're already talking about happy hour, right? <laughs> the owls are making sure that there's enough water. Okay, this is the perfect amount of water. We're good. The eagles, they, they went and got water an hour ago. They, they were done with it. They yeah. didn't waste time. Yeah. So what that does, and that kind of moves us into point number two, is making sure that social awareness is that natural progression from self-awareness so that they are able to see, oh, other people do think this way. It's not that I think wrong or or I'm wrong or this person over here doesn't love me or hates people. No, this is just a, a wiring in the brain, like you said. And um, I think there's a saying that neurons that um, uh, wire together, fire together, something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the whole point of that. So make sure that number one, self-awareness is definitely part of it, but make sure there's a teaching on social awareness to show that other people have these styles and what it looks like. Um, yeah, so those are the first two. Um, you want me to continue on to number three? Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah. So flexibility is the third one. And this is really how to talk to the other personality types. And this is probably the biggest, most important thing. If you are like, I'll, I'll use myself as an example, or actually, you know what, I'll use a client story as an example. This is even better. So we had a point a, a point one time where we had a client who um, could not figure out why employee feedback just wasn't being received. And if you ask people why they quit their jobs, you're going to hear, oh, we, we quit our managers, not our jobs. But why do you quit your managers? And it comes down to feedback and recognition. So, you know, he's giving these people recognition. You have this manager coming in here and he's like, Garrett, you knocked it out of the park. Love what you did. Fantastic. You absolutely killed it. Want to see more of it from you. Good job. You know, and he's, this guy's driving home every day going, yeah, I'm giving my people feedback, right? But the person he's talking to, the personality is not that happy, go-getter, optimistic. Well, happy is not part of it. We can all be happy, mm-hmm. but he's not that optimistic, interactive parent. He's actually more of an owl who's like, okay, well, what do you mean I did a good job? What part of it was good? What, you know, can you give me the details? How can I do it better next time? This person's stressing out and not even taking in his feedback. You know, you flip the switch a little bit and you have someone who is more, um, more, more of an ego, more of an owl, direct, a uh, dominant personality, very conscientious. Is like Garrett, you did a very good job. I uh, appreciate the uh, A, B, C, D, and uh, things that you did here. Um, well done. Make sure that you do this next time. Here's some areas of development. Good job, and I'll see you later. If that person's a parent, they're just going to be like, okay, but did you like it? <laughs> like, and that—that's the thing. So when you when you have flexibility, even though I don't feel comfortable being a parent. I'm going to dial up the parrot a little bit. If I'm giving feedback to somebody, I'm going to say, Hey, awesome job. Fantastic. That's yeah. going to take some energy, but that person is going to be receptive and they're going to be retained and, and be, um, and be satisfied. If that makes yeah,
0: sense. Totally, I think what it, what it reminds me of is a previous episode we had a guest talk about the the platinum rule, right? The golden rule yeah. is everyone knows that, but the platinum rule is treat other people how they want to be treated, right? And so I think mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what this helps you to do. It helps you understand, you know, how they want to receive feedback, how they want to receive recognition, right? And so that you can hopefully as a as a manager or leader tailor it to to them individually. Right on their level. And then that helps again with that end goal of, you know, retention and happiness for employees. Right.
1: Yep. Absolutely. I think that was very well said. I am going to have to go look at that episode because that sounds like a good one.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, this has been great. I think that this is an awesome, awesome framework and uh, super, super powerful. I can totally see how rolling this out across an organization can be super impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, as we kind of wrap up here, one of the last questions I have for you is: you know, in your experience working with companies to to do something like this, what are the outcomes for both the employee and for the employer that you have seen from successfully rolling an assessment program like this out?
1: Right. So. So in, in, you do say, it right, there are two different types of outcomes um, for the employee. Really, a big thing is kind of a deep understanding of who they really are, their own personality style, um, how they can then flex over and meet others. Because once we understand that we have a way we see the world, step two is understanding, oh, other people see it differently, too. So. Understanding those two things, flexing to meet those makes them more comfortable. They're able to focus on their jobs a lot better. Productivity is naturally higher because they're also able to kind of tap into their natural talents. They find out that they're more detail-oriented. They're going to understand how to bring that to their job, how to their role, things like that. Or maybe if they need to be more get-it-done, more direct, they're going to know that, that's, it's, not that they're not, it's not that they're just not doing it right or they're not right. It's, oh, I'm not naturally talented at this. So I need to work on this more. It shows them not where their weak spots are, but where those areas of development are and they can be developed. Mm-hmm. And then really the other thing is just building stronger relationships, communicating more effectively um, and just kind of co-creating and engaging in the culture itself so that the work environment is just productive and And happy. And then uh, for the employer, really kind of a couple of things I already said, just higher productivity. Uh, Who's going to ever complain about that? Um, Better job satisfaction where feedback and recognition is actually accepted. I mean, I don't know why you'd want to go through all the trouble of doing one-on-ones and IDPs and all these things if they don't get communicated. Mm -hmm. So it's going to make all that work worthwhile too. Um, Better engagement. And then on top of that, just higher retention. So you know, I think the cost is six to nine months, average salary, when you have to rehire somebody, then you got to pull somebody to train them. And it's can create kind of a vicious cycle, you can avoid a lot of that by just keeping the people there. So in, you know, to kind of sum that up, employees are happier, more focused, higher job satisfaction, employers get all those same
0: benefits. Everybody kind of benefits mutually. And it just creates a better culture. It sounds just like a win, win, win. Why don't more companies do this? What, what stops companies from from rolling something like this out, you know? Right. So I, I think the
1: unfortunate thing is that they've tried it before. And um, the problem with a lot of disk tests is they're just not super sticky because who's going to remember, oh, I'm a high D and a low I. I have high dominance, low uh, vulnerability. I'm, I'm extremely open, this and that. But that's why you got to take something like um, like a visual reminder, like, which is why we use birds, because it's much easier to remember, oh, I'm a parrot. My boss is an eagle, so I need to be more direct when I communicate. Or my teammate is um, a very data-driven owl, so I need to make sure he has all the details, and then he'll go right along with me. Much easier to remember. It's sticky. And that is, that's, I think most companies know about it, have tried it, haven't had success. But the whole point of learning wisdom is applying it and continuing to apply it. And with that, you got to remember it.
0: Yeah. And I think just to add to that too, I think, you know, two points that come to mind for me is the first is, it's so powerful when you have a shared vocabulary across an entire team, right? right. It, you know, this can be powerful for an individual to do DISC on their own, but when you right. can do it as a complete organization, and then you have that shared vocabulary, that's that's where it becomes really powerful. And then the second, you, what you mentioned before, which, you know, you only touched on just for a minute there, but I think where this often falls apart is you do the assessment. It's like, wow, great. This is who we are. But then you don't, build it into your culture. You don't build it into the fabric so that it's something that's lasting. You don't, you know, implement it in one-on-ones or coach managers or employees, how to use it in other situations, um, ongoing. And I think that's where it usually falls apart, at least in my experience. So if you can focus on those things, you know, the shared vocabulary among the team, and then how do you really implement this for the long term that's where i think it becomes super powerful and you get all of those benefits that you just talked about is that right
1: yeah absolutely and just to you know add one thing to that as we wrap up i think people love labels for the most part when they're positive positive mm-hmm. labels and when you get something like birds and by the way there's other animals you can apply i've even seen one with with fish the other day which that was interesting but when <laughs> you take the birds uh, you're going to find that they kind of bake into your culture you know you'll have owls and e- or owls and eagles and doves and parrots everywhere we like to encourage you know, our clients like, hey, like, you know, here's a little plastic cutout, put it on your desk so that when you go over to talk to the employee, you remember they're a parent. OK, let's up let's up the optimism a little bit. And mm-hmm. you know, before long, it does become a cultural phenomenon. And it's it kind of fills that hole that's missing in a culture that hasn't put something there that hasn't created that cohesiveness. So if you don't have something like that at all, a disc with a visual reminder like birds, that's a huge um, way to plug that hole and and uh,
0: get that going. Love it. Well, Stephen, this has been such an awesome conversation. I really appreciate you joining our podcast again for the second time and and sharing this information with us. So, for those of you um, who um, haven't listened to Stephen's previous episode, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that because it shares just as great of insights as he did on this episode. So, Stephen, as we wrap up here, one of the questions that I really like to ask all of our guests is really just, what's one thing that you think our listeners could, and should do this week to improve their HR or people functions?
1: Uh, again, um, great question. The, the, the insights that I would want to share with that is, um, you know, think about what we talked about a little while ago. Think about self-awareness. Who are you? What, what your motivations are? Are you an analytical person? Are you a little more direct? Do you care about people more than your average coworker? Uh, or, or are you just, you just want to have fun when you do your work? Think about who you are. And then in, internalize that and think of that as a strength and a talent. And then from there, start paying attention to the other people that you work with. How do they walk in the door? Um, how do they go about their work? Are they focused? Are they are they more social? Everybody has a personality that you can connect with and you can become what we like to call the chameleon and morph to that personality. And every time you do that, your conversations are going to be productive, productive. Um, And people are going to respect you more. And that loyalty in the workplace
0: is going to build, kind of making you a a cornerstone to that business. Awesome tip. I think I would just add to that, go and do that because I think that that's where it could be super, super yep. powerful. So and that's something all of us could do this week. So thank you. Um, Stephen. if there are listeners that want to get in contact with you because they have follow-up questions on this topic, or maybe they're even looking for help in rolling out an assessment program like this at their company, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Sure. There's a couple ways. ways. Uh, my phone number is 719-406-0960. Again, that's 719-406-0960. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. I am always there. I never log off. <laughs> it's, uh, and that is uh, linkedin.com slash in slash Stephen Farber. And then my website is heroculture.us. Um, and Oh, and my email is Steven at HeroCulture.us. Any anyway, any of those four ways that I totally didn't accidentally tie into four personality types, <laughs> you can, you can reach out and, and, uh, and, uh, and reach out to me on there and is comfortable.
0: We can tell you're the owl giving us the all of the details, right? We love it. You love it. I love it. So we will, we will be sure to drop all of those, those ways to contact Steven in the show notes too. So you can find that, um, and contact him there. So Steven, thanks again for joining and hope you have a great rest of the day.
1: Hey, thanks, Eric. You too. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Today, enduring companies know that their people are their most important assets and they invest in helping them excel. But often, small businesses with limited HR resources struggle to manage their people, payroll, and processes efficiently and create an environment where frontline, deskless employees thrive. That's why we created Eddie. Eddy is the all-in-one HR suite built for local businesses that streamlines tedious HR processes and improves the employee experience for frontline workers. With Eddy, you can hire, manage, pay, and engage employees with one easy-to-use software. No headache required. You've already done the hard part by creating a great business. Now let us help you take it to the next level. Visit eddy.com today to request a demo.